Hello and welcome to Style and Substance, a branding and business podcast for inspired and empowered entrepreneurs. I'm Elizabeth Cairns and together with my fabulous co-host Fiona Humberstone, we're here to help you sidestep the hustle, keep joy at the forefront of your work and champion a more meaningful and sustainable approach to business. We'll talk about everything from purpose to productivity, from colour psychology to creativity, where to start and how to keep going, how to stay inspired, empowered, and more importantly, sane in the process. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please like, share, subscribe, and keep listening. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode. We're here. We're fired up. We're ready. We are, oh my God, I was just going to say we are really excited we're always excited, but we are excited. And isn't that the point that we always follow our inspiration and we're always responding to what we feel is important right now? Yes, and we were getting really carried away yesterday with really tapping into that and what we feel is really, really present right now for people. And we've yeah. landed on magic. We've landed on yes. finding your magic. And this is something we see coming up in so many different ways with so many different people at the moment and there's so much to say about it and Fee and I have slightly differing perspectives on the magic and we talk about it in our own ways all the time so we thought we'd really dig into that and there's loads of juice in here so we both are really passionate about finding your magic as an empowered and an inspired and a creative entrepreneur why is that important I feel like you should answer this. However, <laughs> my perspective, since you asked, <laughs> we, I feel very passionately that as entrepreneurs, we have an opportunity to create businesses that create the kind of lifestyles and support the kind of lifestyles that we want to live, the, to create the opportunities, to, you know, to give our families the things that maybe we did or didn't have. Mm. But I think if we were only doing it for the money, we could go and be investment bankers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we could make ourselves do that job. And okay, we wouldn't all get that job. Um, and I don't think I'd last in it very long. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't qualify. No, but I suppose my point is that if you're choosing to work for yourself, we've already bust that myth, or we will be next week, that um, being your own boss does not suddenly entitle you to a ton of free time, <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless you decide that. So if you're going to work for yourself, and you're going to take on all the highs and lows that come with creating your own business and running your own business shouldn't you do something that absolutely lights you up makes you feel amazing that makes going to work every single day an absolute joy yes definitely that really is what being an inspired and an empowered entrepreneur is about. It's about igniting that fire in your belly. And we're not saying that you can't make any business work, but when you trade off your magic and the two elements of magic that we're going to get into, it make, it's what for us makes it inspired and empowered. Yeah. And sustainable, I feel, don't you? Yes, yes, and sustainable. And it kind of comes back to that analogy that I think, I can't remember whether it's in a podcast that's come out or one we've recorded where I talk about you know, it's quite aligned with what I believe is really important for people's purpose. It's like we are all threads in a really beautiful tapestry. And if we if we find our thread, then 
then everything sort of weaves together in this beautiful tapestry of all the businesses out there, all the offerings out there, all the people doing their great work. And and it just makes something really beautiful. And it eliminates things, and we'll get into the nuts and bolts of this, but it eliminates things like competition a lot of yeah. the time for you. Yeah. Imposter syndrome as well. I mean, there's all that stuff. Yeah, there's loads of stuff. So it's it's really important to find your magic because what your magic enables you to do is trade off your strengths, your skills, what you're really good at. It enables you to find a unique position in the market. Yeah. So, and and for you talk about this, it's it's not about just being a brand. It's about being this brand. It's not about being a florist. It's about this florist. You know, why is someone, it's yeah. not going to a hotel. It's why is someone going to Middleton Lodge or why is someone going to Beaverbrook or whatever? And there's there's real power in that from a commercial perspective because if you don't find your magic, you end up being all things to all people, don't you? Yeah, and you end up competing on price and people aren't very loyal. And certainly if you're a service-based business, they don't come in to working with you on your terms. They come in on their terms quite often. And they have very fixed ideas about how they'd like you to do your work. And that doesn't always chime with how you work best. So there are, I I feel like I can't articulate fast enough why this is so important, (laughs) but it is. So, So let's define specifically what we're talking about when we're talking about magic. I think we're talking about different but complementary things. From my perspective, when I'm talking about what's the magic of your brand, I'm thinking about what is it that sets you apart? Why are people coming to you over anybody else? Mm. So if we think about, say, a florist, so someone like Fiona Pickles, for argument's sake, she's, she's transitioned her business. And in a previous Brand Stylist podcast, you can hear the story of how she's done that. Mm. But she's transitioned her business from incredibly busy and successful event florists doing, I can't remember how many weddings mm. a year. Yeah, it was but, crazy. But absolutely on her knees to, you know, and creatively quite unsatisfying because mm. she just, people were bringing her in to do the flowers because if they had a wedding or a funeral or a golden wedding anniversary, they need they needed to tick off flowers from the list. And so she was one of many business owners who was competing you know and it would all be about price and if you look at Fiona Pickles work now like eight nine years on it's quite staggering the journey that she's been on yeah Um, and then that's kind of a whole other story but it's really interesting because she is now an internationally renowned floral artist She teaches globally. She is a sustainable floristry pioneer. She's doing some really high profile work. But most importantly, she loves what she does. She has a really successful, sustainable business on all the levels. Yeah. And yeah, she's not run ragged. Yeah, exactly. And that that's where it segues for me into what magic means for you as an entrepreneur. It's it's the ability to find the ease, the flow, the joy from 
working on purpose, bringing your best skills to bear, bringing what you uniquely have to offer the world, using your your skills, your strengths, your talents, being able to be open to this unfolding edge of creativity and inspiration, whether you are a job in creative in technical terms or not, it's still the same principle applies. You get to you get to unfold your business in a very inspired, in a very empowering way. And you're using that sort of internal compass of what feels joyful and uplifting and easy and inspiring and engaging to do that when you're working to your magic. As entrepreneurs, we have this opportunity to create a business around our purpose in life, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we'll do a whole episode, I know, on on purpose and how we really find that for ourselves. But to find your magic as an entrepreneur is to know that you're working on purpose, to know that there's meaning behind what you do, to know that there's a clear sense of what success looks like for you. And it enables you to be very discerning about the role you play in your business and how you can create your business on your terms, which I know we'll be talking about next week. Yeah. It fulfills you as an entrepreneur and as a human and when you can bring those two things together and you've really nailed your magic and you've found your niche, it works for you commercially. That's all so, it's so important, isn't it? To to be playing to your strengths and coming at this from a point of view of what you're best at. Because when you operate or, or when you do work that you're brilliant at, it's just so much easier. So yes. not getting exhausted. I don't feel like I've fully articulated what magic looks like from a branding point of view. And it's so interlinked, isn't it? With mm, Yes. So you can help me out here. Because <laughs> I'm <laughs> struggling here. But I think the key thing is that when you're, you know, like you said, we don't want to be all things to all people. We don't want to be hustling. We don't want to be competing. We want to create businesses that have a point of difference or a unique selling point. You know, that's sort of pretty common marketing standard um, Mm. accepted wisdom. And it makes lots of sense rather than you just being another person in the running. Let's create a really compelling reason for people to choose you. And you won't appeal to everybody. And that that requires a bit of bravery. But actually... For the people that you do appeal to, you will be the only choice. Yes. And so they'll be prepared to, within reason, invest in what you're worth, work in the way that you want to, at your timescales, at the way that works for you. It's all part, really, of running a business on your terms, isn't it? In a nutshell, then, what is magic for a brand? Well, I think it's what sets you apart, So it's what you do better than anybody else. It's that compelling reason that people will pick you over anybody else. And most of us operate in pretty saturated markets. Mm. So there will be lots of people doing very similar things to us with very similar magic. Mm. And the real magic, to confuse things, happens (laughs) when you kind of bump up close against those people that are close to you. And then you really start to hone your magic because you're like, well, they're amazing at that, but I bring this edge and this is my magic. And, 
And for me, this is what I'm really excited about with branding, because we're not just using some blunt instrument that sort of says, well, I mean, I was working with a a novelist last couple of weeks ago, contemporary romantic fiction. Mm. And she was just thinking in terms of the genre of contemporary romantic fiction, but actually her stories are based in Nashville. And her author bio on her publisher's website was talking about uh, popular culture. And I can't remember the exact words that she was using, but it was, it felt really high octane and it felt very glamorous and it felt very kind of fast and busy. And actually, if we drill down to her take on her stories and where she's setting them and the kind of energy that's in that book and what people are coming to that book for, aside from the fact it's romantic fiction, what they're getting is an insight into a much slower, gentler, warmer, more rustic world. So actually her nuance... Well, it's not New York, is it? No, and that's what I was saying to her. It's not New York. It's not Hollywood. It's not red carpet. It's much slower, gentler, warmer, earthier... And and actually, so that really for me is where the magic starts to happen, and and where yes. you know getting onto brand identity, where we where we lose that is you know as an entrepreneur, you've tended to get so specific about what sets you apart, and I think we naturally often as entrepreneurs want to find that point of difference, and we want to hone mm. our creative style or our product or our work or our approach, so that we've got this really compelling reason that people are coming to us. If we then just have some sort of blunt tool of a brand identity that looks beautiful, but that doesn't speak to those nuances, we're missing a massive trick. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think that's exactly the point. It's the power that finding and owning and branding and defining your magic has for you in the commercial of your business is everything. Yeah, because yeah. if I'm talking to a friend who's getting married, and funnily enough, I was the other day. Do you know, I don't know anyone getting married. <laughs> Just way too old. There are divorces going on, but no marriages. Yeah, it's it's their third wedding. So <laughs> okay. they're, they're, they're well practiced. And we were talking about, you know, well, what, what sort are of... Are you trying to brand their wedding? <laughs> no, I'm definitely not. But... um definitely not you know that's not my forte but they were asking for recommendations for suppliers and people right and and she was saying about florists and I said well I know a lot of florists yeah and I said so you know describe your wedding and they haven't nailed Mm. it yet but I'm like right are we talking glamorous London hotel London buses and champagne and so I'm thinking is it is it McQueen's wedding yeah do do I do I get McQueen's to do these flowers yeah or are you going to the forest and mm. you want beautiful rustic arches and yeah. you know tree displays or sculptures mm. or you know is it yeah. is it very Shame natural is it very vibe. is it yes yeah exactly is it very rustic or are you going to go really colloquial and have people sat round odd shaped tables and it's all just about everybody getting together and you've got jam jars with flowers in everywhere mm. you know whatever yeah. you can be really specific And if a florist has come out of the gates and gone, this is me, like Fiona Pickles, like McQueen's, like, you know, any of Even that, I think you you should be drilling down more than that. So, yes. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Is is it a McQueen's type of wedding? But even even in that very opulent London grand hotel. Yes, there's loads of choice. Well, yeah, and not even choice, but just, you know, each 
subsector of that market, any market, brand design is the same, is oversaturated. So it's about finding that edge within that. And that edge might be your ethics. It might be your sustainability. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. might, you know, very often when we're selling creative services, it's our creative style. So florists, it would be that. Anyway, I've butted in. So where were you going? No, no, exactly that. So, you, you know, it's, you get that big picture piece. And then once, like you say, once you drill down into the specifics and you understand the subtleties and the nuances, if a florist has put that out front and centre, what might be perceived as being a risk of, you know, niching and just going, well, this is me and this is what I do well. If they do it well and if they show it well and if it's instantly recognisable, that match-up process for recommendation is instant and very easy. Yeah, and actually... If you need reassurance around this, not only has Fiona Pickles done it, but Sophie's done it, Sophie Robinson, and I've interviewed them both. So if you go to the Brand Stylist website, you look under podcasts, you can hear, and Syma, Calm, from the Hampstead Kitchen. Yes, They've all leaned into what sets them apart. Because I think, especially when we're starting a business, we want to appeal to everybody, don't we? It, it's kind of natural that you you want to kind of set your market, cast your net as wide as you possibly can. But actually, yeah. that is the worst thing you can do because it's very hard to gain any traction, to gain any loyalty, to get noticed. Yes. And for some businesses, it will be easier than others because their magic is is quite obviously something utterly unique. You know, I'm thinking yeah. about the incredibly clever canine circus. Yeah, the dog trainer. The dog trainer. Uh, I mean, the magic training. there. Yeah, the magic yeah. there is is so palpable and so and so unique. Yeah. But at some point, as Deborah gets more well-known, yeah. there will be people. I mean, it was a bit like when I launched How to Style Your Brand, no one had done a coffee table business book before. Yeah. And I remember, I think it was Lizzie Owen saying, you know, what wait for all these Mm. other books to come following in your trail. Yeah. Yeah. And they were a bit longer than I thought, but they did come. Yeah, absolutely. And and then, you know, then you really have to work hard and you really have to think, well, what is it that sets me apart? And I think with Deborah's business, there is no one more fabulous than Deborah. Mm. She will always be the most energetic and actually one of the things that she really brings to what she does is she's an ex-nanny she's amazing with children so Mm -hmm. there's always that side that she can really lean into if she finds her space getting a bit crowded yeah yeah absolutely there's loads of loads of stuff there and and you're right there are lots and lots of people doing this and they are successful as a result yeah so what does it look like I think we've covered this, but in a nutshell, what does it look like when someone's business is playing to their strengths? What what does it look like when they're working to their magic, either from a brand's point of view or a an entrepreneur's point of view? Yeah, well, from an entrepreneur's point of view, it looks and feels like inspiration, creativity, and a huge capacity for flow in your work. Mm. It looks like and feels like my my business, my life, what I'm doing has meaning for me beyond the money. Yeah. It looks like it's not that there's an absence of doubt and you need a big impetus of bravery sometimes to put yourself 
out there. And yeah, it can be exposing and it can be a little bit vulnerable. You know, I'm thinking about an artist I work with who ran a very successful business doing something very similar, but at her core, she's an artist. Yeah. And since claiming being an artist and allowing herself to follow through that magic, Mm. what it's removed is this sense of there's something not, I'm not quite settled in this. You know, it enables a sense of deeper sort of trust and a deeper sense of contentment at at the base level of the foundation. And then it becomes a sort of joyful dance between bravery and unfolding. And so it can remove a lot of imposter syndrome. You know, and I see this a lot, particularly with people who are very ambitious and who are very competent in lots of different areas Mm. when they don't find and hit on very specifically and very subtly their magic they find themselves straying into areas that are parallel but maybe they don't have quite as high competency in or quite as much confidence in and imposter syndrome is an absolute nightmare for Mm. those people yeah it's crippling isn't it it's crippling and and I suppose part of that is what we're saying is it takes time it can take time to find your magic and it will be refined and honed and it will grow as you grow yeah so it's not a fixed thing you know you might be able to create an incredible brand that will last you a good 10 years and capture the fundamentals of that magic and as long as all the commercials stack up that's great but as an entrepreneur how you message around it how you lean into it how it grows and shapes with you will evolve a lot within that time Mm. And as empowered entrepreneurs, we need to keep tapping into that so we can keep checking and we can keep refining and we can keep making sure that, you know, in the same way that the brand stylist has evolved in just this few yeah, years. Massively, actually. Uh, and it's funny you say the brand will last 10 years because it might do. But I also think that quite often when we're in our magic, our brand and our ambitions for our business tends to evolve as we do quite fast yeah the only thing I was going to add to that was and you you have definitely touched on this I think you get this really strong sense of inner confidence yeah and it doesn't mean as you're saying it doesn't mean that there aren't doubts and it doesn't mean that you don't have a wobble or something will happen that will throw you off but I think 80% of the time you've got this inner confidence that actually you're really good at what you do and that and that people should be working yeah. with you you yeah. know, there's not that sort of, oh my goodness, sense. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think it's worth just touching on the flip side of that as well. Yeah. You know, if you're not trading on your magic, what happens and what's the risk? Mm. Well, imposter syndrome is one of the big ones, isn't it? So yeah. very often we will either see something that's working for someone else and mm-hmm. think, right, I'm going to do that because that's working for them. So let me just do that. Uh, that makes total sense. And it's not that it it won't work to a point, but it's not going to have the cut through. It's not going to have the ease because it's not going to be authentic. You're not going to know your stuff in the same way. It's just, it's not going to work. The whole point really for me of branding and and setting up a business that really works for you is that it's only going to work for you and it is about that subtlety and that nuance so remember when I put how to style your brand out there and I had a whole raft of people taking the 
how to style your brand planning workbook and rehashing it in their mm. own branding and obviously that's a whole other episode for another day but the bottom line is that was developed from my experience and what I know and although you can put that kind of thing out there and it can work at a surface level it's only by having the expertise it's a bit like the color psychology for brand designers isn't it it I can be in a room all day with 20 people and I can take whatever question is coming at yes, me yes because I really know my yeah yeah exactly so anybody can content flip anybody can replicate but actually if you're not really playing to your strengths you're gonna come unstuck and it's unnecessary because there's probably something else over there that is much more your thing yeah yeah. And when you come unstuck, it undermines your confidence. Yeah. And feeds the imposter syndrome. Feeds the imposter syndrome, makes business feel difficult. You don't do mm-hmm. your best work. You don't get those referrals as you would do. You're not generating that that ongoing stream that comes from being in your best work and like being able to show up fully in your competency. So actually, your magic is almost a connection between your experience, what you know, how you see the yeah. world, what your story, your story, your purpose, all those things. So it's a connection between that and your work and what you communicate. And when there's almost like a straight line between yes. all of that, it's just easier, isn't it? And we can get pulled off that track. Exactly. And it also means that if you don't have that, it's very hard to hold your boundaries in your business. Yeah. So if you're out there being all things to all people and trying to please everybody, yes, you may get a big influx of inquiries and and there'll be the pressure to take some of the work that maybe you don't love as much, which again, we've talked about before, can spiral into lack of confidence and then yeah. you don't get those referrals. But it also means that if you're not bold enough to know your magic, own your magic, step into it and then brand yourself in that way and attracting the wrong clients, you're creating potentially a lot of busy work for yourself with having to manage friction, with having to manage conflict, with having, even if it doesn't become a lot, it doesn't have to be really grating and hugely catastrophic that you're getting this hideous experience with a client, but there's this sort of low level rumbling, slightly uneasy Mm -hmm. thing that happens. And you can end up doing a lot of work for not a lot of emotional reward and very little satisfaction or, you know, in the case of Fiona Pickles coming back full circle, doing 300 weddings a year. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can feel in over your head as well, can't you? Yeah, sometimes. So it's not necessarily that you're doing the wrong work, but maybe Mm. either someone's told you you should be doing bigger projects, you've seen people crowing about doing bigger projects and you feel like you should be there too. Yeah, there's, there's lots of ways we can unwittingly move away from staying in our with our magic yeah. as our pioneer, isn't there? Lots yeah. of ways. Pressure of the economic climate, yeah. people giving the wrong advice, yeah. people, um, being so busy that you don't check in with yourself enough to know when you're on track or not on track. Yeah, It's very, very easy to unwittingly slip away from your magic, but there's lots of markers and signals. If you're losing your mojo, if you're falling out of love with your business, if you've just got this rumbling sense of discontent, if you're not quite attracting 
the right people in the right way at the right volume, then magic is the place to look. Well, isn't it? and I, I think. think the big red flag for me is if your client projects aren't going well. I mean, one might just be a nightmare of a client, but if it's consistently happening, then I think that's something to look at as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so far we've defined our magic, what that means from both a branding perspective and an entrepreneurial perspective, why it supports us and some of the commercial benefits to the business of that and the personal and the confidence benefits, what it feels like when you've got it and some of the risks of not having it. What I'd really like to get into now is how you find your magic. Yes. And the overarching process for that. And then if we can bring that to life a bit, I think will be a really great opportunity to talk about how the brand stylist brand has evolved as your magic has evolved. Because Mm -hmm. you went through a fairly recent rebrand and uplift and elevation of the brand stylist look and feel and and that Mm -hmm. brand as it represents it. And obviously when you came out of the gates with the brand stylist we really honed in on your magic and used all the information from your previous journey to get there. So I think that would be a really nice way to bring it to life. But if we talk about how you find your magic Mm. from a branding point of view, what do we do? Yeah, well, the, the starting point for me is what sets you apart. So I'm generally listening. I was talking to a friend yesterday, actually, who's a coach. And, um, we were talking about if there's any synergy in our businesses to work together because she's one of my oldest friends she was my bridesmaid Mm. um and and actually she works she's ex l'oreal she works with very different levels of clients to me Mm -hmm. she's talking about a smaller business who's in tech and I was saying to her I don't work in tech because I don't understand it and I have (laughs) to work with clients that I understand in industries that I understand and I need that perspective so the reason for this little diversion is to explain that as I'm listening to a client tell me about what they do I am actively trying to find that point of difference and hone in on that because quite often the client won't necessarily know but if it's a you know if it's an industry that I know and I tend to only work in industries that I know then I'll be listening and asking the right questions to get to the heart of well that is what sets them apart that's you know it might seem like a really trivial thing it might seem like something that you absolutely take for granted but that's something that we can really polish and treasure and yeah cherish and showcase yeah and that process of finding it is very subtle as well isn't it it's very easy to punt for the first thing that you think sets you apart and sometimes we oversimplify that and go, well, I'm really professional. I give great customer service. Yes. We know that's not magic. That's one yeah, level yeah. of oversimplifying it. Yeah. And then you can go, well, the story of my business, for example, is I am taking old tables, I'm reclaiming them, and I'm putting them back out there. And the magic and the messaging around that could be, um, you know, making something contemporary out of something old and making something... Uh, you know, and it becomes a very earthy, sustainable, um, very sort of warm and cozy type brand. And and, and you're sort of trading on the fact that people want to preserve the old and make it really contemporary. If you take the same business concept and you realise that actually in turning around these tables, 
they're getting a really beautiful, exquisite level of craftsmanship and French polishing that makes them very unique. It's utterly bespoke, the finish that they've got. The care and attention in the customer journey is next level. These are going into very beautifully styled, luxurious homes. The All of the things that come into play with those two stories for the same business are very different. And what is the magic that really sets this business apart? And the magic, for example, in that business is the exquisite French polishing, because that is the piece that nobody else can do. It's not the fact that they're turning around old furniture and making something new out of it. Yeah. So my starting point for that would be to think about where are they going? So what's the product and where is it? Where are we pitching it in the market? Exactly. So it wouldn't be so much about the process because the process is part of the story. But actually what we're selling is a specific type of table yes. that's going to fit in a very specific type of yes. interior. So they're going to choose this over vintage partly because of the story perhaps, but probably, you know, French polishing is a very specific look and someone that doesn't Mm. like the idea of a dusty, I love (laughs) a dusty old table, but somebody, and actually for me, a French polish wouldn't be the right piece to have in my home because it doesn't sit. So I'd be thinking there first. So I I wouldn't necessarily be pitching myself against other handmade tables or against other vintage tables I'd be thinking well if if I'm thinking about who is this person that has this home that this is going to sit in beautifully where else are they looking actually it's probably Heels or Conran yes exactly yeah exactly and that's when we come back to the process the muses so the point you touched on there is the direction that you want the business to go in what your aspirations are for the business and the muses that you're speaking to, the price point that you want to put it at, yeah, all of those things, whilst they don't define your magic, they will help you select. They'll help you aspect, work out which, which aspect to bring forward. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And actually, you know what you're making me think of? Do you remember I had that amazing client, one of my favourite projects from, I think it was 21, 2021, came out of the back of lockdown, this amazing perfumer created Mm. these two fragrances. And all she had were two fragrances, one amber, one rose. Mm. And she posted them to me. I have never smelled anything like it in my life. They were the most beautiful fragrances. And we needed to build a brand Mm. from that starting point. Mm. And what was really important to me was that we built a brand that really honoured everything that she put in to these fragrances. Mm. This was a real labour of love Mm. doing this and working out what, where we were going to sit here in the market. You know, the candle home fragrance market is massively oversaturated. Mm. So I wanted to find a point of difference. We needed to think about the price point and where that would sit. Everything for me came down to the fragrance and what you got from the fragrance, because that was the only tangible thing I had to go on. It's a bit like Dillian's, the vineyard, same thing. You know, Mm. 
what tangible things have you got to go on and what are we working towards? But it also needed to be really sustainable in terms of her running this business. Yes. So what ended up happening on that project was that when the designs were done, the visual side of things pulled off in a totally different direction. Mm. And what the designers were pushing for would have required a complete change of space, of ideal client, of market. No one's saying commercially that wouldn't have worked. Yeah. But like me, she is in her mid-40s. Mm. You know, she's living a certain life. She has certain references, experiences. And you can't underestimate the importance of that when you're building an authentic brand and trying to communicate with your Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, yes, you can create something that looks amazing on Instagram. But actually, if you're talking to 25-year-olds and you don't have those people in your life, it's quite difficult to be able to connect with them. And and you'll find, I think, that things will falter, that things will become more difficult. Yeah. So it, this is sort of a constant source of frustration for me, is <laughs> making sure that the visuals match with the strategy. Yes. And that that is my big mission. Yeah. Right now is to really inform and educate designers so that we can all benefit from a brand that moves us forwards commercially because yeah. why would those dots not be joined up? It drives Absolutely. me nuts. Absolutely. And and then also for me the the piece before that yeah. is so critical to that. The when you have the the entrepreneur is aligned with their mission, with their purpose, with their skills, with their what lights them up and all of that. They then create a vision for their business that does that with you. And then they need to articulate that and pull that magic through. And if you maintain the integrity of that whole line. Can't see Elizabeth's hand, but we're both like straight line. (laughs) Straight line, gesticulating off into the wilderness. If you maintain that alignment, magic other magic really happens. Yeah. And it, it does require some discernment as you go through. And so how how do you know? Because I think some of this is about going with your instinct, isn't it? You know, I yeah. know with the candle company, the designers we were working with had very strong opinions mm. on their approach. Mm-hmm. And I had very strong opinions <laughs> that they all need mm. to join up. <laughs> you know, that the you start with the space and the muse, and the magic, and the visuals need to articulate that, and all the nuances of that, because that will support you most commercially. Yeah. So it's joining up that line. And then as you're communicating, you're remembering your magic. So I was working with an amazing, um, she's a wedding stylist, and she also has a prop styling company. And Mm -hmm. At the moment, they're both on her website together and she gets nice feedback about her website, but she just had that niggling feeling that it wasn't working as well for her. And I just kept Mm. a really open mind on this day. But I wanted to get quite scientific about... Oh, objective, not scientific. I'm not at all scientific. I wanted (laughs) to get quite objective about... Should they be one website or should they be two? Because it's a pain in the ass to have two websites. So you're only going to do it for good reason. And actually, when we boiled it down, what are people coming to her for her styling? Actually, which is not on her website at all or in her portfolio or any of the ways she talks about her work. It's the storytelling. So she really gets into the story behind the couple and she creates really bespoke, Mm -hmm. beautiful 
But there was this gorgeous picture of um, uh, a tablescape, green and white tablescape with an apple. Really, really exquisitely beautiful. But that's all you saw. Now, you could copy a green and white Mm -hmm. tablescape. You could, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But what was really interesting was she was saying that came about because this couple had bought their forever home, Georgian home, and they wanted to get married in the garden. And they had Mm -hmm. some place that they were thinking of working as working. (laughs) They had a place that they were thinking of putting the marquee. And actually, she said it wasn't right. But then she went around the corner and there was this orchard there. And she was like, this is magical. So they built the whole wedding around the orchard. And obviously the wedding is the start of their family and the family, forever family home. I was really goosebumpy and everything had a reason. And I was like, this is Mm. not just a green and white tablescape. This is a story based on something very specific. You need to tell that story. So the magic doesn't just come in in the fonts that you pick or the colors or the photography style you keep that thread going. So every time you put a photo up on Instagram, not you don't have to do it religiously, but you know, I'd want to make sure that half my Instagram captions were inspiring people with the story. So they weren't just seeing me as another stylist with beautiful taste, but yeah. actually what's the story? Because that is the piece that people can't copy. That's yes. the piece that people are going to be thinking, well, if she did that for them, what would she do for me? You can't Pinterest a story. No, and this is where the integrity of your expertise and all of your your own journey and your story comes into it because mm. you can tell though they come from you naturally and authentically. And if we come back to the sort of, you know, how we find your magic as well as articulating it, I think it's really important, as, as I think you've already mentioned, to look at it in the context of where you want to take your business so knowing knowing what's the right thing to hit on, what's the right thing to push forward has to be put in the context of the vision you have for your business. So, yeah. Okay, so we know that when we're finding our magic, we need to look at our area of competence. We need to know what sets us apart. We need to put it in the context of the vision we have for the business. We need to trust our gut and our authenticity in that and have the bravery and the boldness to carry it through. Mm. Let's explore a little bit about how you did that with the brand stylist? Mm. So definitely some things, it's interesting because some things about what I do have not changed since I started the business in 2014. Mm. Um, I've got a page in my media kit called The Value You Can Expect From Me. And I wrote that back in, I don't know, June 2014, when I first started working again. Mm. And you know, I was talking then about a Hawkeye for detail and um, an equal focus on the visual and commercial aspects of the brand and, you know, lots of things that I redo my media kit every year and I really haven't changed that yeah. approach at all. I suppose what I've really honed, and this has really mirrored my own experience, ambition, understanding of the sector. And it's been brought about by my market getting noisier and noisier is what, I suppose, what my mission is, what I stand for, how I want to approach things. So Mm -hmm. when I started The Brand Stylist, 
I'd had a design agency. I'd sold that in 2012, had Mm -hmm. a couple of years out with the babies and renovated the last house. And I, I knew that I wanted to run a business that would work around the kids. And we, I think we talk about this next week. Um, Mm -hmm. But I wanted to make, I wanted to demystify branding because I was seeing a lot of people finding that they were spending money on brand identities that actually they really didn't like. Mm. And when it came down to it, they weren't making great decisions about who they were working with. They weren't working with bad designers. They were just working with the wrong ones for their brief. Yeah. So... Everything started really with how to style your brand and the color psychology for creatives workshops in London Mm. and the blog. And I really wanted to make branding clear and inspiring and easy. Mm, mm. You could have gone down the other route of of being a jobbing designer, couldn't you? But you knew that wasn't your magic. Well, I, (laughs) I I knew that I, I knew from working with scores of designers that I could bring a level of vision and creativity that was pretty unmatched. And I could, Mm. I was also really, really good at capturing that sense of what a brand should be, thinking bigger about it, you know, all that, Mm. all that vision piece that I hadn't seen designers be able to do. Mm. What I could also see was that I did not have the patience or the skill or the experience to actually deliver what my, uh, to the level of vision that I wanted. Yes. Yeah. Um, Translate it onto tangible. Yeah. I can design, but I, I had spent the 10 years of my career previous to that managing designers and selling Mm. design not doing the design work so I had Kaz my studio manager and she was the one that was doing design day to day and she's a very different character to me she's very Mm. meticulous and I'm not going to say I'm not organized because actually I am but she's very meticulous very patient really loves honing that detail whereas I'm much more big picture spontaneous quick yeah. And I didn't have the lifestyle set up at that point. Poppy was sleeping for two hours a day. I didn't have mm-hmm. childcare. I didn't really want to be doing ongoing design jobs. And I knew that my design ability and interest would hold back what was possible with my vision. Exactly, exactly. So you you really hit on your magic then. And you settled into that and you translated that and you created the first iteration of the Brand Stylist brand. And then not so long ago, we revisited that, didn't we? Yeah. Why and what did we do? Well, when I started the Brand Stylist, no one was doing what I was doing. So Mm -hmm. the market was full of really talented designers doing beautiful work. And I was the only one that was educating people (laughs) on that. How to how to create brands? I can't say that in an English accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not sure why. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I've always been passionate about teaching, sharing knowledge. That was one of my favourite things when I worked for the print mm. company. It's something I've always focused on, and and I think that's part of my magic as well is explaining yeah. things in a way that people understand. So what brought about the change? I guess the market getting noisier. 
Mm-hmm. And me seeing that I still bring a level of insight and expertise and experience and vision mm. to that space, needing to make sure that that was communicated. Mm. But also, I I guess as my business has got bigger and I've got more experienced and more ambitious and I've worked with more exciting clients, maybe, I don't know if that's not fair to say, I've always worked with exciting clients, but... Well, your business was growing up, wasn't it? I I think so. And I think that I have become more and more passionate about brands that look beautiful and that work commercially. And I get incredibly frustrated when they only work at a surface level. And that's coupled with this two things, really, this absolute overwhelm of homogeny in the design world, you know, everything looking the same. And a focus on turnover rather than excellence. Mm, yeah. And I, I don't like that. I want to be different. Yeah. And I want, yeah. I want to, uh, that was the other thing, wasn't it? It was me talking to other designers who'd been caught up in the hustle mm. and who were like, oh my goodness, does it not have to be like that? Do I, does that mm. not have to be my bar? And me wanting to provide another voice. Yeah. And when we think about, when I think about the process that we went through in that, we went right back to the foundations at every level, didn't we? We looked at, okay, who are you attracting now? Who do you want to be working with more? Mm. Who really values you? So we did all of that muses yeah, yeah. then with all the information that you'd had. We went back to the essence, didn't we? You know, yeah. what is the new essence of the brand stylist? What we, what are we bringing with us and yeah, what, what are we, we leaving behind to, what are we leaving behind what do we need to elevate yeah. what does that then do you know in your design process what does that then how does that then translate to a new feeling what's the feeling we want mm. to create and where are the gaps in what you're then putting out there that really articulates that magic what's the new vision for where you're taking the business all of that stuff came together didn't it and then you knew right I'm going to have to to tweak this design now I'm going to have to shift the typography I'm going to have to subtly tweak Well, the photography was a big one because before everything was like, branding's really fun, it's really easy. And actually now I'm like, it's not easy and it shouldn't be easy. You need to think about this stuff Mm. and you need to do it well. Exactly. But it still needs to be, you know, the qualities of the things in the photography that you retained was things like it still needs to be inspiring. Well, yeah, but I had to let, I had to let go of that bright white thing. Because that's what brings a lot of inspiration. But what that does is directly compete with my credibility. Yes, exactly. Um, So there were things that I had to let go of that hopefully when you work with me or you do an online course or maybe even when you listen to this podcast, you find find what I'm doing inspiring. But it it wasn't front and centre of my brand anymore, whereas it was front and centre before. So I did have to let go of that. And I think this speaks to me of what's required within the entrepreneur to make those steps, because quite often, either when whether you're doing it at the outset or whether you're doing it after a while of being in business, we need to step up and grow up off, often into what we've become or what we want to see. Mm. And it requires a level of boldness and it requires a level of bravery and and a willingness to let go of some stuff. Because particularly if we've had it, because you loved the brand stylist brand as was, you know, and it was really working for you. And it can be quite a quite a wrestle sometimes. But I think when you are really clear about 
commercially what it's going to do for your business and you recognize the value of all the other benefits it's going to bring in terms of confidence and reach and Mm. further niching and differentiation and all of that kind of stuff it enables those hard choices to be easier yeah well it just all comes back to alignment doesn't it yeah you know it's making sure that with me it was actually not so much about where I wanted to go is making sure that the brand caught up with where I was at Yes, exactly. And that it wasn't detracting from where I was at. Yeah. So alignment and delivering on that is really important. Mm. And that also makes me think about going off on a slight sort of parallel to that. It makes me think about how we retain our magic when we diversify within our brand. Yeah. Because what you also didn't have at the very outset was all the online courses you've got and all of that. And the seminars. I was very anti-webinar. Yeah, it was only yeah, lockdown yeah. that you know changed my opinion on yeah online seminars. And, and when you find your magic and you're true to your magic, you have the potential to diversify um, and generate you know other potential revenue streams, other mm. other areas in your business that can round out your business and play to even more of your strengths without having to pivot away from what your core magic is. Yeah, and I'm just thinking about somebody who does this really well is Kimberly Espinel. Yes. I mean, we've we've both worked with Kimberly on her on her first book, and I'm working with her now on her second, yeah. which is incredible. And Kimberly, for those of you who haven't come across her, is an exceptional, exceptional food photographer and stylist. Mm-hmm. I really love her aesthetic. Not everybody will, but I really love it. And what's also exceptional about Kimberly is she really knows. In the same way that you do about with the nuts and bolts of branding, if you talk to her about food styling, she's like an encyclopedia. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. nuts. Yeah, well, she she's really passionate about it, she's isn't really she? really passionate. She has a process yeah. that she can teach. She's also very passionate about, in the same way that you are, sharing that expertise with yeah. people. And so she could just make an absolute killing doing food photography and styling. She could mm. slay that lane and just do that. But because her passions for educating and sharing have been awakened and because she's actually really good at the nuts and bolts of helping other photographers make a business that works it is absolutely on brand and within her magic to to be broadening her reach into writing books on this and into encouraging and mentoring other creatives because she has it she has a competence in that and it's and it's still within that core magic and the other thing that i think working on magic facilitates you which i see very clearly in kimberly is is grit Yes, she's a real grafter. You know, no one's saying that once you've found your magic, you can just lie back and watch the pounds roll in. You you, you still need to bring a level of energy. And I think the magic actually gives you that gumption and gives you that sense of energy. That's the point. It's not hot. This is the absolute essence of the difference between any old entrepreneur and an empowered, inspired entrepreneur with a yeah. brand that's really working for them. You don't have to push water uphill. You still have to graft. You still have to show up. You yeah. still have to raise your game. You still have to be productive. You still have to do all of those things. Yeah. But it's a head, heart, soul, whole body. You almost whole... can't stop, can you? Well, no, because, you know, you you are gifted with this other force that comes through yeah. you. Where, whatever your philosophical take on that is. It's like there's another energy that's available to you that also makes perfect commercial sense. And that is the magic. That's a wrap, I think. <laughs> Could be. What a joy. 
So we are almost at the end of season two, which is mind-blowing. Let us know, guys, what you want for season three. We always have some... I mean, we've got no shortage of ideas, have we? However, and also, please do keep reviewing. Thanks to our prompt last week. I don't know if you've seen, but we've had three lovely reviews. I want to read you this one from Sammy TNP. Each episode is full of such nuggets of wisdom that I'm finding myself listening to twice to each one. Oh my god. Maybe we're reducing the productivity of the nation with this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) She might be listening in the car. I I love how you talk to both newer businesses as well as those more established offering practical advice and tips. I find I'm brimming with inspiration after each listen and I know my business will benefit. How lovely is that? so lovely oh this is just like the mutual appreciation society yeah so if you if you want to leave a lovely review you can go to our podcast <laughs> feel free it does make our day like genuinely it, does. it just really does it makes yeah. such a difference so thank you lovely people yeah all right we'll next week with business on your terms last one we will hurrah amazing Thank you so much for tuning in to Style and Substance. We really hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find more information on everything we've talked about by heading to the show notes or by visiting our websites at thebrand-stylist.com or elizabethcairns.com. If you like what you've heard, we'd love a review. We're a brand new show and your support makes all the difference. You can like and subscribe as well as giving us what we hope is a well-deserved five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show too, so please do leave your comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes on our blogs. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.